Wait a minute, I hear something. shaking their hotcakes welcome back to dr movie the show where i talk about movies yeah not a great uh, not a great uh, uh, catchphrase there but it is what it is um got an interesting one for you here i've always been in kind of uh, infatuated with this movie um of course, I love the, the original as well. And we are getting a remake of it as we speak. Uh, coming out, I think, this year. matter of fact, we are talking about the Werner Herzog classic, in my mind, uh, Nosferatu the Vampire from 1979. <laughs> when you look it up on Google, it says it's a horror slash western. I don't... I have no idea why it's considered a Western on Google. It's not a Western. Matter of fact, it's it's barely even a horror movie. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's see. uh, See if I can pull up some stuff here. Uh, There's there's really no surprise, really. I mean, to the story of the good grief. What a synopsis. Jonathan Harker is sent away to Count Dracula's castle to see him in a house to sell him a house in Vienna uh, where he lives. But Count Dracula is a vampire, an undead ghoul living off men's blood, inspired by a photography of... Man, sorry, trying to drive and read. Inspired by a photograph of Lucy Harker, which is Jonathan's wife, Dracula moves to to Vienna, uh, bringing with him death and plague. An unusual com, uh, contemplative version of Dracula in which the vampire bears the, the cross of not being able to get old and die. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the, the story is the story, right? Based off uh, the Stoker story of Dracula, the original Nosferatu, 1922, which got uh, sued by the Stoker estate and they thought that they had eliminated every copy of the original movie maybe I need to talk about that one sometime I am such a fan for sure Um, so thank goodness you had movie pirates even way back then and uh, they saved a few copies maybe one copy of the original Nosferatu and that leads us to where we are with this movie, um, where Werner Herzog thinks that the original Nosferatu from 22 is the most important and best movie that Germany has ever created. And I can't say that he's wrong. So this is basically Herzog's love letter to the original Nosferatu. And being that the ban was lifted at this point of the original Nosferatu, Herzog was able to actually use the actual names from the story and kind of put some things back in place that had to be shifted around in the uh, 
the original version, right? Uh, it's got a 7.4 out of 10, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Uh, it was released in October of 79. Like I said, it's two hours and four minutes long. And there's, there's a bit to talk about here. Uh, let's, let's look at our cast. Cast. <laughs> uh, we got one Klaus Kinski. Hey, I got an idea. Let's make a Dracula movie and make Klaus Kinski Dracula. When you say it now, it seems pretty outrageous. This is early Klaus. Early with uh, Herzog, anyways. But yeah, he plays Count Dracula. Or Nosferatu, whichever you want to go with. We have the eye-catching Isabella Johnny in this. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. She's real cardboardish in this, but again, we are remaking, and a lot of times, shot for shot, remaking the original Nosferatu. So there's scenes where their reactions are like you're still watching the old silent film, which kind of gives this movie this odd feel about it. Bruno Grantz is uh, Jonathan Harker. Uh, like I said, Isabella Johnny plays L Lucy. Uh, and I don't really know anybody else to really bring up. Uh, we got uh, Roland Tooper playing uh, Renfield, who is, you know, bat crap crazy, and that's, that's how you want it, right? So uh, let's talk about this one. Um, like I said earlier, it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it is a well-made movie. This movie is beautiful in a lot of senses. Um, it's really like, it's almost like if Stanley Kubrick decided to make this movie, because you get a lot of open standstill shots um, where the camera doesn't necessarily move, nor does anything in the picture for quite a while. There's a lot of still shots of symbolism. There's uh, this sense of dread that's sprinkled throughout this movie that is done so well that if you're not really paying attention, you're going to miss a lot of the details. Um, it's just a really well-made film. Uh, it almost feels like you'd be watching Masterpiece Theater and this would be on, you know, PBS or whatever, you know, wherever they show Masterpiece Theater. It's that quality of a movie, but it's just off-kilter enough that you can't classify it as that. I, I don't know why you couldn't. Uh, because, again, it's, it's not really horrific, but there is dread. There is doom. There is this gloominess about it even though it's shot beautifully. And again, the references to the original movie, the, 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 the parts of the shadow creeping, and creeping across the wall, the fact that Nosferatu not being seen in a mirror. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the same exact story. There, there's really nothing different to talk about when it comes to the actual story, except for a few scenes where things really stand out that may have been in the original but just kind of fell a little short with a little more detail in this version because you've got uh, Jonathan Harker of course 
going to uh, Dracula's castle to get him to come back or to buy this property. And he does the thing where he sees the picture of Lucy and he's instantly ready to move. So what he does is he attacks Jonathan, drinks his blood, leaves him for dead basically, uh, <laughs> loads up a load of, I don't know, six or seven caskets, gets it on the back of a horse trailer and takes off. Jonathan knows what's going on, so he tries his best to scamper down a wall, tying his sheets together, but he's so weak he can't hardly handle it. He falls to the ground. Uh, Jonathan goes through it in this movie. He really does. Um, what else is interesting about this is, uh, of course, you got the Demeter, right? You've got the, the trip on, on the boat where the, the, the crew is being knocked off one by one. They're blaming it on the plague, which is a nice play on, again, what Dracula brings with him. Um, lots of rats. And even the makeup of Klaus Kinski, I'm surely you've seen pictures of him, but he looks more rat-like than anything else, and that's totally on purpose. Um, it makes you have a sense of pity for him and disgust. He's got the two fangs in the very front, not your typical Dracula where they're spaced out across the mouth. They're, they are together in the front, just like a rat. His skin is this pale white, you know, because it doesn't see the sun. Uh, Kinski's a little guy, so what Max Schreck brought to the original, Kinski brings a different kind of formula because he's, he's smaller, which ties into the whole rat aspect of this thing, which in a way, when he snaps and attacks, it's what you think of when you're scared of a rat that might get a hold of you and not let go. Same feeling that you get here with, with Klaus Kinski in this. And he doesn't overplay this character. He plays it right. So you kind of have to give him kudos for that. Um, but he falls for Lucy. He moves to uh, Vienna. And while he's there, when the boat pulls up, even the, the, the captain is dead. He's tied himself to, you know, to, to the steering. Uh, they pull him down and they notice that, of course, there's these bites on stuff. But the interesting thing about this is the fact of the townspeople start dying and they claim plague, even though there's more to it. And this really kind of hit home, too, with the whole COVID thing because whatever side of the fence you're on, I don't feel like we were told the whole truth from either side. Um, and I think there's worse things to come. But in this situation, uh, they don't know what else to blame what's happening on but the plague. The townspeople even say, keep your distance. It's the plague. You can't come up and touch me. It's the plague. And I was like, wow. Look at how, I mean, and... and they're, they're right and they're wrong. The plague is Nosferatu is going around and killing everybody to survive. Uh, he has brought pestilence and disease. 
uh, he is that form of evil. So you, you get all this intertwined, but Lucy knows there's more to it. By the way, Jonathan makes it back home, not on his own will. Uh, he makes it back to a certain point, and these people send him home saying, we believe he belongs here. He has no rec recollection of who Lucy is. He's infected, right, by this disease. Lucy tries to get the doctor, which is always a big player in the other versions of Dracula, to help get rid of this problem because she's found a book that describes everything that's happening and what this is causing. And the doctor won't have anything to do with it, so she's left to fend for herself and to do it on her own. So, with that being said, this whole narrative that we have of there's never any strong female leads in movies. It's a thing that's never been done till now, and we're going to make them Ghostbusters or whatever, yada, yada. I, I'm sorry, folks. I, it just... <laughs> if you go through history, there's plenty of strong, independent women taking matters into their own hands. It's not a new concept. It's been around. Sure, they're few and far between. I'll give you that, but they're there. You can go all the way back to 1922, where the lady in the original has to face Nosferatu by herself. As in this version in 1979, where Lucy has to face Nosferatu by herself. She's the only one that can save everyone. So the point of sacrificing herself, sacrificing one to save the many, right? That's your setup here. She's at this point, considers herself widowed, even though Jonathan's there, he's not there. Um, so she knows what she's got to do. And uh, that's kind of where this sits. Surely you know the ending of this if you know anything about Dracula or Nosferatu, any variation of this. Um, not going to spoil it if you don't because uh, I really think this one's worth a watch. I think a lot of people skip it because it's not a familiar name, especially in the late 70s, early 80s, right? Um, here's another interesting fact about this movie is they shot two versions at the same time. They shot an English-speaking version and a German-speaking version. And they were literally just shoot the scenes back to back and just say it once in English once in German they didn't overdub so I remember Anchor Bay released this and you could get the set where you could have the two and there'd be little differences in the scenes because you know it's hard to repeat it exactly the same every time as far as where you were standing your hand gestures there's going to be little nuances of differences right so that's kind of a cool thing that they actually shot the two versions at the same time and you can get those and kind of compare them um, like I said, not really a horror movie, but it is very compelling. Um, it, 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 it's slow moving. It's kind of got that slow burn kind of thing about it, which again, 79, this is where we're sitting, right? You hear me talk about it all the time. But what an incredible piece of film this movie is. So I, I highly encourage you to check it out. Some of you may really like it because of the artsy-fartsy aspect of it. Uh, 
Other views may hate it just because it's not spinning its wheels, right? Um, oh, something else I forgot too. I wanted to talk about is the scene where you've got all the uh, all the guys carrying all the caskets of the townspeople that's died. All the pallbearers are walking through the town carrying like 14, 15 caskets at a time. That's how fast the people are dropping here. It's when he, she says something about it and he says, hey, it's the plague, you got to stay away, all that kind of stuff. But during this, you flash to another scene a little later on. The street is kind of filled with furniture, uh, things of, uh, not necessarily of an importance, but material things are piled up in the street, kind of signifying again that re-evaluating what is important in life. It's, it's not the toys you have. It's, the, it's, it's life itself, right? And that plays heavy into this too, which again kind of reflects back on being trapped at home during COVID. You start reflecting on things. You start realizing, you know, what is important, what is not. That lays pretty heavy in this movie. And if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But once I saw it, I was like, holy moly, right? The fact of these townspeople are realizing that, just like now, all the things that we bicker about that we think is important is absolutely not. You know, when it gets down to it, we've had, we've had it too good too long, and it can all be taken away by something terrible and you're left with nothing. So, spend your time wisely. Spend your money wisely, right? Um, that's enough rambling on this one. I probably got more political on this than I was intending to. I hate getting political. But it really did hit home with what we just recently went through. And, uh, and again, this is a great piece of, of filmmaking here. So, uh, if you're into the art side of filmmaking, this one's for you. Definitely check it out. Uh, I give it a four out of five. Uh, I can watch this one repeatedly and uh, get something out of it every time. So there you go, folks. 1979, Nosferatu the Vampire. Let me know what you think. If you have thoughts on this one, if you've never seen it, it's on Tubi. You can watch it for free, so give it a shot. All right, folks, that's it for this one. We will see you on the flip side.